That's right, everybody. It is live on Thursday, 4.30. That means it is time for Brooklyn Paper Radio live from the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown. That's what they call it. I'm Gersh Kunstman of the New York Daily News and, of course, flanked, as always, by the most handsome man in Brooklyn, Vince DiMaselli, the editor of the Brooklyn Paper. Hi, Vince. Well, thank you, Gersh. I appreciate it. Just so our listeners know, we may not hear from him. We have a third guest in the studio right now. We got Ben Kunstman, my son, who, I don't know if you just make a noise. Let him know you're alive, oh, Ben. Are you there, Ben? Ben? Hello. There he there is. There he is. Okay. Now, we are calling this our official Father's Day episode oh, of Brooklyn Paper one. Radio. It's a big one. Because Vince, and I'll start it off the way I always start it off. You are the best father I know. You're the best father I know. Do it. Tell well, me why. How do you do it? It's all about giving, Gersh. You have to constantly. You have to be selfless. Selfless. Well, there you go. That's it's, why I'm not able to be a great father. It's the selflessness that that's that's there. You know, I chase the kid on the bicycle. Well, I, ch- I was just having a catch with Ben. Ben, did we have a catch today? Yeah. See, there you go. Okay. Well, there you go. You're learning. No, I'm learning, but you're I, becoming better and better. But Ben, I mean, most of the day, the, the reason Ben is here, just so our listeners know, is today New York City public schools are off today. Uh huh. I believe it's Brooklyn Queens Day. It's Brooklyn Queens Day, but apparently they're off on Staten Island too because my kid is at the Staten Island Zoo. All right. Well, that's great. Anyway, so we we spent the entire day doing a video for the NYDailyNews.com, which is a website. I've heard of that. Plugging that. And NYDailyNews.com, Ben and I were driving around in an electric car. Hmm. We had a good day driving around in an electric car. The one place we did not go, Vince, mm-hmm. we did not go to Staten Island. You want to know why? Because of the toll on the Verrazano Bridge. No. We don't mind the toll. I think tolls should be like $100. It's, it's, well, it's, it's <laughs> it getting there. Is. I didn't go across the Verrazano Bridge because of what we're going to be talking about later in the show. The Verrazano Bridge is misspelled. I've heard this. Who broke Again. that story? Who Again. broke that story? Well, listen, the story's been around a long time. I'm not going to say it hasn't. Okay. I'm not going to say it True. hasn't. But I get a call the other day. Uh, Max Yeager comes into my office. Who's Max Yeager? Max but, Yeager's uh, one of my deputy editors for Southern Brooklyn. Hold on. Let's get him in here. You want to bring him in? Sure. Why not? All right. You know his extension. I do. Hey, Max, why don't you come on in here on Brooklyn Paper Radio because we're talking about the Verrazano. All right. I'm coming in right in. Thanks. He's a good kid. He the reason, great. I'll tell him, uh, Ben, you're going to have to share the microphone share with him. Share the microphone with him. We're our fourth mic. We have three microphones. Our fourth microphone's in the shop. What shop? Oh, here comes Max Yeager. Hey, Max. We, we, were, doing, uh, we were just starting to talk about the Verrazano story, and I said, you know what, Vince, you didn't get the call. Max Yeager got the call. So, Max, just tell us what the story is. Give us a little preview of the story, and then get out of here, because you've got to help uh, with, with Ben later. There's a uh, gentleman in Diker Heights named uh, Robert Nash. Who is interested? He wants the MTA to rename the bridge. Because no, 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 no. I got to cut you short. He doesn't want him to rename the bridge. What he does he want? He wants him to fix the name of the bridge. Okay, fix go, it. go. Fix You're it. Right. Because uh, it, it has only one Z, and the, the Italian explorer who, uh, who was credited with discovering the Narrows had two Zs in his name. The Giuseppe Verrazano. Giovanni. Giovanni da. No, Giuseppe was Giovanni. his brother and actually saw it first. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm, he spotted it. So Fair Giuseppe, well, you got to ask Silvio about that. Anyway, so this guy Verrazano, Verit, would you say Verrazano or Verrazano? Verrazano had two Z's. Correct. So yes. what's the big deal? Why have we been spelling it wrong all these years? Uh, well, there's that, that's hard to say. There's uh, there's a couple rumors going around. One is that Robert Moses did not like the guy. Uh, and wanted the bridge to be named after himself uh, upon his death. So that's uh, my rumor. That's your rumor. I okay. came up with that rumor. Uh, another sense. another one is that that uh, once once they did agree on the name, for whatever reason, the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority was putting out pamphlets to say like, oh, we're going to open the Verrazano Bridge, but they used the wrong uh, spelling. 
with uh. only one Z, so it just kind of stuck. So it's like it was ostensibly like, a typo. Yeah, a typo it's a typo there. that, for whatever reason, no one said, "Hey, can we fix that?" So that'd be like calling the Washington Monument like the Washington Monument with an E at the end or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. Okay. So Max, why don't you go back in the newsroom? We're going to call you later when we actually get to this story. But Vince, we have got a great show ahead of us. Lynch, if Lynch, Dennis Lynch brought the story to Max. Max brings it to me. I says, "Is it a local guy who's doing I found it?" That story. What's that? I found that story. Never mind. Lynch had story. nothing to do with it. Lynch is on vacation today. You think you're out there? You, you you think you're doing the job? No. Apparently, it's Max. But anyway, the reason I even brought it up at the top of the show was to say, first of all, it's our Father's Day episode of the Brooklyn Paper Radio, and we have got such a great show that that's just a little taste. That's a little soupçon. I don't know how we're gonna we're gonna improve on last week's show with Ophir Eisenberg. I was thinking of just phoning it in today. <laughs> Today, as opposed to what other day? Yeah, well. Anyway, listen. Let's start off with the, the way I always start off the show. How you doing? I'm How do you doing, Vince DiMaselli? I'm doing okay. I'm yep. very excited because I made the choice this week. I said it's going to happen. I said I am going to try out for a role in, in uh, I, I always like to say SUV the musical, but it is not SUV the musical. In fact, it is Murder at the Food Co-op. I'm, I'm going to try out for a role. I want to I see what I can do, see what I'm made of. All right, well, this is fine. Tuesday, January, Tuesday, June 14th is audition day at Murder at the Food Co-op. Now, Ophira Eisenberg says she wants to be in the show based <laughs> on our, my description of it in last week's show. All I say to any of our listeners is you want to you want to audition. You got to go to backstage.com. Send me your headshot. Send me your resume. I'm, I'm letting Vince audition because you don't know this. I hear him sing in the bathroom all the time. Mm, yeah, and do. the guy has got the dulcet tones I would say it's like a low baritone. What you do? Is it? Do I keep it down? You do you keep it down? Do I keep it down? Keep what down? I well the the voice. <laughs> anyway, he sings really well. Can you give us a little of that, Officer Krupke? You want to do Krupke? Yeah. Okay. Do it right now. Dear kindly Sergeant Krupke, you gotta understand, it's just our bringing upkey that gets us out of hand. Our mothers all are junkies. Our fathers all are drunks. Golly Moses, naturally we're punks. Now that's where I'm going to have problem after that because now like it's like the whole cast comes in. Well, so that was that was you going to have backup singers? No, that was only eight bars. So if you're going to audition for Murder at the Food Club, uh -huh. you need sixteen bars. Now, did you say I needed to bring in like the sheet music and stuff? Yeah, you got to be a professional. Where actor. do I get the sheet music? I have to go to the Brill Building. I think you can download the sheet. If anybody can hear the sound of my voice, call seven one eight. Two six zero four five zero two and ten no. and help Vince with this. Yeah, that's it. Four five zero two. I need to know where to get the sheet music for Krupke. But the point is, I'm I could do. I could do. Uh, something's coming. What a change is going to come? What are you, Otis Redding? No, something's coming from from West Side Story. Do I it, only know it, West Side do it, Story. Do it. As you know, I went to Villa Roma as a kid, and we had to perform all, all these right, things. All right, do it again. Could be. Who knows? It's only just out of reach, down the block, on the beach, under a tree. I got a feeling there's a miracle, too, gonna come true, coming to me. That's a tough line. That's, that's that tough. was tough. You almost pulled it almost off. Almost had it, right? Well, here's the thing I've been telling Vince. If he I'll tell you, Ben is not impressed. No, if, he, if you came in prepared. He's laughing. That's that, It's murder at the food cop. If you, if you got him, if you got a laugh. If I got him, him laughing, I guess it's not a bad thing. All right, but here's the thing. If you come in prepared... Will it be? Yes, it will. Maybe just by holding still. All right. It'll be there. If you come in prepared to, to audition... I just got a feeling something's coming, Gersh. You got a shot. But I'm getting, I'm getting resumes and headshots from a lot of talented, professional, and better-looking actors than you. Better-looking. 
But, uh, let's talk. but if you want to come, Tuesday, June 14th, set aside 2 p.m. to Maybe 6.30. Maybe in better shape, but certainly not better looking. In any event, in any event, you come in your audition, you send me an email via backstage. Anyway, it's Murder at the Food Co-op, and it's going up at the Fringe Festival. Plug Ola time here. Man alive. All right, I got to call out to Max Yeager again because apparently— We're bringing him back in? I got to bring him back you in. We're not doing a good job managing this show. Nope. Ben. Hey. Hey, Max, can you come back in? Sure. Man alive. So nobody knows what's coming here. I, something's coming. My daughter, Jane. Ben, you know your sister, Jane? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of her, by the way? You can give us your honest opinion. He's asking the tough questions I on the, the air. tough questions. On okay. the air. He's so, putting you on the spot here. Max Yeager returning to the office. Max, uh, Ben's sister, Jane, is going to be in the lobby in about three minutes. So I need you to take him down to the lobby because the whole handoff plan didn't really work out. Right. Okay. So, Jane's coming? Jane's, Jane's going to meet you in the lobby, so thank you. Uh, oh, so you got to bring him down to the lobby? Ben Kuntzman, thanks for being on the show today. I'll see you tomorrow, pal. Okay. Say, say goodbye. Bye. Take your headset off. Don't, don't Yeah, don't, don't leave don't. the headset on. And Great there he job. goes, Ben, ben Kuntzman, Kuntzman, ladies and gentlemen. Again. Ben, thank you, Max. Thank you, Ben. Great job. All right, good kid. And he slammed the door. That's yeah, good work. Good kid. I told you All something right. was coming. So let's get this show started. <laughs> Let's get the party started. Why don't you started. reach out to your guy? Well, I'm supposed to reach out to him in five more minutes. Can, well, we, okay. can we fill for five? I can. I'll tell you, you why. want to do a commercial? So I get an email the other day from Ben Music. Do you remember Ben? I love Ben Music as much as I love Gersh Council. Well, I'll ask you a better question. I'll ask you a better question. So Ben Music basically followed me as the editor of the uh, Brooklyn paper, right? When you left, I said there's only one person that can replace Gersh Kuntzman, and that person is Ben Music. Okay. And what did you think, first of all, Top five. Top five editors of Brooklyn Paper. Go. Oh, top five editors of Brooklyn In Paper? In order. In order. Number one, Vince DiMaselli. Okay, fair enough. Number two, uh, Gersh Kuntzman. Okay, okay. Now uh, now I fall to deputy editors, and your your top three and deputy editors is kind of a toss-up. It's a toss-up because you have, without question, Ruth Brown, mm. who's my editor right now. Yeah, she's good. Probably comes up with more puns than anyone I've ever met in my life. It's fantastic. And then, of course, you have uh, Ben Music, and then, of course, you have Nathan Tempe. Oh, Tempe the Natural. Yeah. Anyway, okay, fine. So Music's on the list, he's, right? Without question, he's on the list. So I get an email from Music the other day, and you got it too, Vince. Yeah. And i got to read it to you because it's unbelievable. The subject line was, the dream lives on. And you click on the link he put there, and it's a link. It's a link to the headline, this Vermont newspaper is having an essay contest. The prize, this Vermont newspaper. Yes. It was a pointer, pointer.org. So tell them a little bit about what the story is about. So basically, this guy, he's like 70-something years old. He owns the newspaper up in Vermont. It's like the farthest reaches of Vermont. I mean, you're practically in, I guess, the North Pole. So it's way up there. And he has the newspaper, and his wife died four years ago, and now he wants to get rid of it. But what's the best way to get rid of a, get rid of a newspaper these days? You put it up for sale. No. What happens when you put it up for sale? Nobody really calls. <laughs> That's exactly right. So they did this thing that everybody's doing now. There's an inn in Maine an that entry tried fee. to do it. Right, yeah. Yeah. But there's an inn in Maine that tried to do this. There was a chocolate a chocolate shop in, in Maryland that tried to do this. Yeah. Anyway. These beloved industries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. So nobody really wants a newspaper, but if you write an essay, suddenly everybody wants a newspaper, I guess. Well, I would certainly try to write an essay to win a newspaper. So anyway, we are entering. We're going well, to. Well, we were going to enter. But then we kind of looked at it, and Hardwick, Vermont, is Hardwick, yeah. like there's the middle of nowhere. Hardwick is on the edge of nowhere. Like it's apparently, not even near the middle of nowhere. And apparently, you know how like when people came from England, they would name. So they came from Plymouth and they landed in Plymouth miraculously. It's weird how that happened. Well, this is the same thing happened in Hardwick. Only they came from Hardwick, Massachusetts. 
and they founded Hardwick, Vermont. Okay, that's, that's I did the research. That's I a, did the research. Well, you should put that in your essay. Yeah. My essay is going to talk about how I was born a small child, dreaming big and wanting to get big, and then in I the got big, big in the big city. And then I got big, and I was like, you know what? This rat race isn't any. You got to get, get out of the rat race. So we decided there'd be some regular columns. There was going to be today in syrup. We got to have that. You got to have today in syrup. syrup thing. Yeah. Uh, ben Music suggested he wanted to do a column written from the perspective of an, of an old man writing to the new Vermont hipsters. And it, every week would start off, listen, listen, young punk, I was wearing flannel before it was hip to wear flannel. That's true. He did write that. that was um, funny. What, did you have an idea for a column for that paper? No, there was one, but there was one other idea. It was the, oh, if every story, it had to begin the... After I plowed over my, uh, oh yeah, Bef- after I plowed over my alfalfa field to make room for that Jennifer distillery, mm-hmm. um, because that's what's happening to um, to Vermont. Anyway, we're gonna buy the Vermont paper called the Hardwick my Gazette. My goal, my goal is to just go up to write the most earnest, heartfelt piece that I can write about owning this newspaper, and then going in there. And acting like that guy in WKRP, that WKRP in Cincinnati, who shows up, he's the new program director, and you know it was like this like soft music station, all that, and he comes and he puts up the kiss poster on the wall and just shocks everyone. Well, we would certainly put that paper out of business. Uh, I mean, there is <laughs> what is the over under on how long the paper would survive under Gersh Kunzman and Vince DiMaselli? I listen. I'd have to look into the. I'd have to look in the financials of it. I got to look at the the P and L. And the P and L. I got to check the P and L because you know the first time Vince and I ever heard the term P and L was at a meeting after the New York Post bought the Brooklyn paper. And, and, and then one of the guys, one of their executives was like, well, you know, let's check the P&L. And, and Vince is like, oh, yeah, the P&L. And then after the meeting, he comes to me and he's like, what's a P&L? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's like, uh, you know, percent of non-liabilities. And we're like, what, what the hell is that? Like, we couldn't figure that out. Anyway, we're going to buy the Hardwork Gazette. We're going to do it. We're, we're going to be like those people who wanted to move like 10,000 libertarians to Delaware so they could take over the state legislature. We're bringing our whole crew up there. Everybody's and coming. screw it if they're not ready for a real newspaper. No, they have to have it. They, the people of Hardwick need to know what's happening in Hardwick. Well, I mean, they know. We're the ones who need to tell them about what's happening We need in the to tell them what's thing. happening in Hardwick. I don't know. Once I plowed over that alfalfa field for that Jennifer distillery, that's when all hell broke loose. I tell you. All right, so we got to get out. I want to tell you about something that happened to me the other day, and this is totally, unequivocally true. You it's, four, it's 4.45. I know. Well, I'm going to pay some bills. Oh, we're going to pay a bill first? Yeah, and then, bill. We're, oh, then we're making the call. Okay. I had a toothache. Oh, and Jimmy, you know, you got any, you got a, like a sound effect of a guy in agony because he's gonna play it. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> nothing says toothache. <laughs> nothing says toothache like a little Eagles-like guitar music. Anyway, so I had a toothache. <laughs> what did I do, Vince? Does e- doesn't Eagles music make make your teeth hurt? No, I had a toothache, and I'll say to Vince, what do you think I did? I think you tried to find out the least expensive place to get that fixed. No. no. What I did is I ignored the pain and I gutted it out. The reason? Because I go to expensive dentists in Park Slope and I can't afford to go in every time I got a little twinge. Mm-hmm. But if I had Joseph Lichter DDS in my neighborhood, and he's at 1420 Avenue P, which isn't that far, but it's, you know, I was in pain. A periodontal. If, if, Avenue, if Joseph Lichter was around the corner from me, I would have gone in there and said, hey, Joe, because I call him Joe. Yeah. Can you fix this pain? And he would have not only fixed the pain, he would have whitened the te- tooth, and he might have even recommended Invisalign, which is that braces. You straighten them out. You don't even see them. You don't see them. And his prices are 10 to 50% less than those fancy Park Slope or Brooklyn Heights dentists that I take my kids to for the $1,000 cleaning. 
Anyway, you call Joseph Lichter, DDS, or go to his website, josephlichter, L-I-C-H-T-E-R-D-D-S dot com, 1420 Avenue P in Brooklyn, and his phone number is 718-339-7878. And once you get your teeth fixed, where are you going to go? You're going to head over to Atlas Steakhouse, and right now, go online and go to atlassteak.com. Wait, right now? Right now. Go online. But then they have to oh, leave you, no, Brooklyn just Paper. Go doc- online. Oh, me? Go online I'll to atlassteak.com and watch what happens. I'm gonna just watch the magic happen. Almost instantly, up pops the 25% off brunch promo. You can come visit them during brunch on Saturdays or Sundays from 11 to 3. And with this coupon, you just print it out, you get 25% off. And that's from your friends here at Brooklyn Paper Radio. But Atlas Steakhouse, as you know, Mediterranean-style steakhouse, Gersh. You know it. You know it? I do. It's not a German-style steakhouse. No, I don't is. see the ad. Oh, there it is. It's Mediterranean style. $500 gift card sweepstakes. Well, that's happening as well. I was talking about the 25% off. Well, I'm going to enter. They'll do it. All they want is your email. Give them your email. That's okay. Sure. Yeah, you give it. A, you, it's at 943 Coney Island. No, in fact, all they want is you to like their Facebook page, oh, you which I'm happy too. to do. You so I'm, like I'm, now I'm entered for a $500 gift card. I don't and, think and you can win that. That took like five seconds. That's the beauty of Atlas Steakhouse and AtlasSteak.com. Atlas Steakhouse, of course, you know, is located at 943 Coney Island Avenue in Ditmas Park. It's right near 18th Avenue. You can head over there anytime you like. Have a delicious steak. You can start your meal, as always, with a uh, maybe have one of their signature cocktails. I love their signature cocktails. Then you could have one of their delectable appetizers. I had the crab cake. Fantastic mm-hmm. crab cake. He loves the crab cake. And then you dig into one of their fantastic steaks cooked to perfection. And to your liking. All right. Fair Atlas enough. Steakhouse. Check them out at atlassteak.com. All right. Well, I just checked it out at atlassteak.com, and I'm registered for a $500 gift card. Anyway, we got to get out. Jimmy, thanks for that sound effect music. I kind of wish you had that one of me yelling in pain. So, Vince, we were talking earlier about the Verrazano Bridge. Yep. As you know, built in the 60s, totally changed the city. I mean, revolutionized Staten Island, revolutionized South Brooklyn. Southern Brooklyn, as we call it. Well, I don't know if it changed. The only way it really changed the city was it it, it changed the traffic flow, because what the Staten what the uh, Verrazano Bridge actually did was create what was called the South, the Southeast Passage. I believe that's what it was. I mean, it sounds a little it might bit be like Southeast. A, no, because you could not, the only way to get through Manhattan yeah. off of uh, Interstate ninety five or something was to go over the George Washington. Oh, Bridge, I see what you're saying. Yeah, there's a way around. And this was this actually created a new way to get out of uh, New York City. Oh, if from, you were bringing up goods from Jersey and you wanted to get them to Long Island or Connecticut, you, you had, could go across Staten Island now. Well, you had to go through Manhattan yeah. up until that point, and well, now you great. didn't. That was a, that was a big change. Well, here's what we get: Robert Moses, villain or hero? I think hero sometimes. I really do. I think it goes both ways. Well, it's like just anything like any, else. Yeah, it's just like, like anything like else. Vince there's, there's, well, so no. here's the no, not in terms of your sexuality. I meant in terms of you being a great editor, and then sometimes you make mistakes. You do. I'm not so sure about <laughs> okay. that. Anyway, the Verrazano Bridge connect, connecting Bay Ridge, basically Bay Ridge, to Staten Island, completely opened Staten Island for development. Now, here's the catch. That, yes. As we spoke to Max Yeager earlier, for some reason, Giovanni Verrazano's name, Dot which Verrazano. which had two Zs, mm-hmm. never was spelled that way by the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority. Not never. There, there were times where it was spelled that way, but there were more often than not it was spelled incorrectly. But none of the signs today have the name spelled correctly. It's spelled with one Z. So tell us a little bit about what you guys did this week on that story. So here's what happened. Robert Nash, he's a kid, 
Uh, he lives. Uh, he lives. He he's no spe- kid. He's no kid. He spends. He's a college student. He spends time uh, between New Jersey and, and Brooklyn. And he noticed this, and he started a petition on the uh, the Facebook or one of those petition pages that they have. It could have been change.org. Could have been. Who knows? And what what he ended up doing was uh, he wanted to ch- he wanted to ask the MTA to correct the spelling. Correct the record. Correct yeah, the correct historic it. record. Let's get it right. And what what do you think the FDA said? As you'll read on Brooklyn Paper well, and everywhere else in the world. It's going to cost us too much. Yeah, but it's okay to change the name of the Battery Tunnel for for Hugh Carey. Or or the Triborough Bridge, which I still call the Triborough Bridge, for Robert Kennedy, who, you know, really had a cup of coffee in New York. RFK frankly. versus, uh, versus uh, Triborough, right? Yeah, and they also yeah. named the Queensboro Bridge for Ed Koch. Okay. Yeah, but they will. They refuse to change the spelling. Now we're going to give a call out to uh, Professor Silvio Lachetti. 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 We're going to call him right now. Yeah, we're going to give him a call. While you're dialing, though, let's get some dialing music. I I made. He's the... he's a, he's a uh, professor of history at the uh, Stevens Institute of Tech in Hoboken, and he's got some opinions on this. And he wanted he wants to, let's get him on. Let's hey, get he him wanted on to share line. his opinions. He does. He wants to share. My him. point was I don't know why. Remember, they turn c- down the phone because this is a private number that we're calling. I don't know why they couldn't just replace the signs by attrition. In other words, whenever a single sign went out of service, maybe it got crashed into by a by a bus or something, which happens with those casino buses, by the way. Uh, why couldn't they replace the sign then? And maybe that's what we'll ask Silvio Lecchetti. We got to ask talk him. To this we're going to get him on the phone. And we're going to talk about pronunciation of, of last names, I think. Is he a full Hello? professor? Hey, Professor Silvio Lecchetti. Is that you? Yes, it is. It's Vince DiMasselli and Gersh Kunstman. You are on the air on the Brooklyn Paper Radio podcast, and we are talking about the horrible misspelling of the Verrazzano Narrows Bridge, the Verrazzano portion of the Verrazzano Narrows Bridge. And we were just filling in our listeners as to uh, how this happened and why it's been uh, ignored all these years and not changed. And we were wondering your take on it. Why, why hasn't anyone corrected this problem yet? I guess there are a couple of reasons uh, if you go back into the past. It has to do with the uh, inertia of bureaucracy. They don't want to make changes unless they have to. And even now they say they really can't do it because it's going to cost too much money. And uh, the lack of interest, uh, I suppose, of the Italian-American community. It's kind of a political issue. And in recent times, American Italian-Americans have not really been active in expressing their political views. Well, Professor, Professor, I've got to cut you off. This is Gersh Kunstman of the New York Daily News. I'm in with Vince, of course. And I love your scholarship and I admire your work, but I have a question right off the bat. You mentioned the expense of this. Well, certainly, Professor, they replace signs if a sign gets run over by a casino bus or a sign gets weather-beaten by Hurricane Sandy. Certainly they could replace them piecemeal and just spell the name right. I agree. I do think that uh, it's kind of a bogus but that's the excuse they have been using, and I assume it goes back in time uh, that they don't want to do it because it's an inconvenience to them. All bureaucracies are that way. They prefer to keep things as they yeah. are. They're very they interested. to pressure, and I think now there's some new pressure. We're in the age of the Internet, and that's a very powerful tool of pressure, especially with petitions like the one that has been put up on Go Petition. Yeah, so but the question is why has it taken so long? Why have have Italian Americans like like ourselves? I, I can say your name is Silvio Lichetti. I'm assuming you're not Irish. Absolutely. Okay, and I'm a Dimaselli, also not Irish. And I'm Kunstman, which is not 
Italian, but I love Italian food. Eats a lot of it, I'm sure. So the point is, how come it's taken this long? How come there wasn't that backlash like from the outset? Why has this been allowed to go on for so long? What's up with the Italian American community in New York City in general? That that like this is like this malaise. Well, really, I can't say. I don't have an answer for that. Uh, I wish I did, hmm. but I don't, and I, I really can't speculate on I, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna speculate for you, Professor, okay. because I'm not Italian. So I don't have a dog in this fight, but I will say this. As a Jew, and I am a Jew, and uh, I've had plenty of dogs and plenty of fights, if you know what I mean. If, <laughs> the Jewish community never would have stood for that because we have a certain amount of political clout. And I imagine in the early 60s, or maybe even the late 50s, the Italian-American community in this country, albeit an important, you know, built New York, basically, built New York, uh, didn't want to make any waves. And said, so, oh, let's just, let's just stay quiet about it like my fellow Jews like did. Usually uh, do. Said, yeah, well, maybe like they usually do. Quiet. Why? Because after a while, they'll just say we're all mob connected and we're making this all up as uh, some kind of a protest to reassert an identity that is tarnished. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know, you're going to get tarred with the brush of having mob connections. And as you know, the early history of the civil rights movement uh, in New York City did have some problems that way. So I think that's part of the explanation. I mean, it was a pretty uh, ugly time in New York history. Wh when was the bridge finished? It was like early 60s, right? 64. Okay. I remember yep. sailing under it. Uh, as it was, I think it was opened in November, and I sailed under it just about two weeks before it opened on my way to uh, on a cruise. Oh, I thought you were going to Ellis Island. Okay, but <laughs> you're, you're going the other way. I had passed that stage. Okay. <laughs> That's a cold cruise, a November cruise. Anyway, the, po the point I'm trying to make is that was an ugly period in New York history. You got... Civil rights for African Americans. You got all these Italian Americans who f people are saying, "Oh, you're just a mobster." You got uh, I don't. I mean, it was just. A, I think of that period in New York history as like a, both a great time and, an, and a really ugly time, uh, where where the majority uh, voices were, were drowning out the minorities. I just say that, uh, and I know Vince experienced that firsthand. Oh, all the time. Well, the thing was, and so did I, of course. <laughs> of course. Okay. At the time, uh, Robert Moses wanted the bridge. We know for a fact Robert Moses wanted the bridge named for him. If you read The Power Broker, uh, I'm pretty sure this is documented there. Uh, he wanted the, he wanted he only called it the Narrows Bridge, and he fought against the name Verrazano even being used. And a, a guy by the name of John Lacourt, who uh, started one of the Italian American organizations back in the '60s and probably in the '50s, he really fought to get it named for Verrazano, and ultimately he won out. And uh, he also got a a park in in downtown Brooklyn named for Columbus. He was he was one of these guys that was really pushing for uh, you know Italian Americans to be boosted up in in the country at a time when yeah they were really it was there was a lot of you know the stuff about the mob and if you were Italian you were in the mob and that was that and you know right, that was, it was the just stereotype coming to light in those days as to uh, things like Appalachian the meeting up in New York State or that uh, what was that program on TV the Untouchables there you go every week. Yeah, Italian-Americans yeah. had to suffer with uh, dozens of Italian-American criminals being arrested and hounded by Elliot Ness. But they couldn't complain because when they did, they'd say, well, look, his right-hand man's an Italian-American detective. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yep, that's right. They, that's, that's what we call <laughs> tokenism. To that's tokenism. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I go back to this Moses theory of Vince's. I mean, Robert Moses, as I said, hero and villain of New York. 
sure. Initially named it The Narrows Bridge. Now, clearly he was using that as a placeholder for himself, right? I mean, he wanted to name it the Robert Moses Narrows Bridge. I would think. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, people who build these things generally have big egos, and well, his name is on other things as well. But, but and what as would you know? His legacy is mixed. I mean, many people credit him with having redone New York, and then very modern planners say, no, he messed it up really badly with all the highways that cut through neighborhoods. It's it's a little it's a six dozen a one half dozen of the other right. I don't even know how that expression goes but the point is when I listen we spent the, the the Brooklyn paper office used to be in Dumbo which is a whole neighborhood cut off by the Brooklyn Queens Expressway which Moses mm -hmm. built mm -hmm. and it, it it took fifty years but that neighborhood became a great neighborhood because almost because of that highway it kind of isolates it, it from all the own neighborhood it, right. it, yeah exactly so there's like you know, the, the worm turns, I believe, the expression. That is an expression. And the worm in this time, case being though. Moses. Yeah, it takes time. It takes time. And right. and now that... It hasn't happened completely yet in the Bronx, where they cut through the South, South Bronx with the uh, highway. Right. There were a lot of social issues there as well with drugs and, and crime and et cetera. But if you go to Port Morris now and parts of Hunts Point, they're isolated off of the highway the same way Dumbo is, and they actually are becoming, I don't want to say gentrified, because that makes me... Of the highway. Yeah, today yeah. that becomes a plus. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, an, it's an, and and both of those neighborhoods are on the water. Those neighborhoods. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, professor, and you got some money to invest, and you want to be known as a gentrifier, <laughs> buy in Hunts Point and Port Morris. You heard it. Now yeah. I, I'm not I'm not anti gentrification. Vince knows that. No, no, you're 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 very much for. Um making neighborhoods uh, more upscale. I no, guess. that's not. I just want, <laughs> Professor, just so you know, for the record, I favor housing. I want a lot of housing because the bigger supply of housing means the price will come down. That's what the market would do. I don't know why how we got into this, yeah, Professor. We're into well, Robert Moses is yeah, exactly. and uh, the impact it has on cities and neighborhoods, his role in history. I mean, there is a, uh, a legacy issue there these yeah. days. When he was doing it, everybody was pretty much pleased. Yeah, exactly. Except for a few people in Soho who fought him on that highway. Now, I, I want to get, I got to get back to the Verrazano thing, because that's, that's, really, that's, that's really, that's really what, that's what we're talking about. Now, yeah. your name is Silvio, I, as I was saying earlier, Lecetti is how it would that's be pronounced. How would in pronounce it in Italy, yes. Yes, that's <laughs> how we'd pronounce it in Italy. And my last name is Dimicelli. But as a kid growing up, it was always Dimicelli. Like, I would go right. to school, and every once in a while, a teacher would say uh, Dimicelli or something like that. And I would say, no, 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 it's Dimicelli. Right. If you were in Italy, you'd say Dimicelli, but in, right. in, and then they'd always ask me why I don't have two L's in my name. I, I, uh -huh. I, I don't have an answer to that. I don't have an answer. For, for the record, Professor, do you know how Siri on my iPhone pronounces Vince's last name? I ha she pronounces it Vince Dimicelli. Now, that's ne that would never yeah. be right. Vince Demesseli. Demesseli. Like uh, Latin or, or uh, Near Eastern. Uh, oh, there you go. Maybe she uh, thinks you're Indian. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't know why that's the case. But the fact of the matter is, I was always, you know, well, it is what it is. You know, the people want to pronounce it Demesseli. That's fine. They want to pronounce it Demicelli. All right. That's that's fine as well. You know, they want it. My name is Vince. It's not Vincent. They want to call me Vinny. They want to call me Vin. They want to call so. Maybe that's it, though. That's what I'm getting at. No, maybe how is this about the Verrazano? Because maybe, you know, as an Italian, we're just like, eh, whatever. Well, if they're going to spell it wrong, ways, they'll spell yeah. it wrong. But again, that's forced upon you yes. by the fact that you have to take a defensive position. Nobody really knows how to spell Italian names in the 1920s and 30s and even into the 40s and 50s. And nobody pronounces them correctly. 
so you learn to adapt. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people, not only Italian Americans, but many other ethnicities, simply changed the names and anglicized them, and so it became a lot easier. Yeah, I don't like that. Did you do that, Gersh, with Kuntzman? No, Kuntzman is Kuntzman. I mean, we we would be the Kuntz, Kuntzman, Kuntzman, the Kuntzmacher, the art man, the art man, Professor. You can you could just call me art man. Okay. <laughs> now, Professor, you're a professor of history, or you were a professor of history at Stevens Institute of Technology. Right. So, what do you what you what do you specialize in? Like the history of technology, or what? What'd you do? Well, if there were a specialty for most of the career, it was urban history. Ah. So the study of civilization, basically, from Sumer wow. on to the present day. That's like the, you studied the history of history, basically. Basically, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's right. Well, that's what, that gets to the point Vinny and I were talking about earlier, and I call him Vinny, even though he obviously objects to it. <laughs> so Verrazano, we, we decided, hey, let's Google Verrazano, and we're not going to Wikipedia for this. This is real history fact. Mm-hmm. We found out that Verrazano, after visiting New York, and doing a little bit more of his East Coast uh, tour, went back down to the Caribbean where he was eaten with a group of his officers, eaten by cannibals. Is that true? That I don't know. You hear these, <laughs> these stories. I've not researched them. I've heard of others. Uh, I think Magellan comes in for that kind of treatment, too. Um, Magellan, I, Magellan I, was a hack. expert yeah. in that area of the discoveries and exploration, so I don't know. Here's my problem with Magellan, Professor. All he did was, like, go around the world, but, like, he didn't stop. He didn't really discover anything. It's like, I'm, go- I'm on the water. Like, he's just like, I got to get away from the wife. I'm going to go, uh, go on the water. Verrazano and Hudson and what's that other guy, Columbus, said, sure, no, we're going to look for the new world. We're looking for a yeah, passage. Yeah, they were looking for yeah. a new world. They were for, well, for India and some trade and money. I think the whole thing is crazy because we're all the same people, Professor. We all came out of Africa. We radiated in a million different directions. The Native Americans... And the Europeans are basically the same people. And all of a sudden, the Europeans, and you studied the history of civilization, so you, I'm not telling you something you don't know. The Europeans decide, ah, we're going to take over those people. And, and the Native Americans like, what just happened there? I mean, that's my, that's my view of history. What do, you, what do you think? Well, that's controversial because uh, things did happen around the time of the Renaissance when the world did change. And Europeans, pretty quickly took a very dominant position in it. Before that, they were just one of uh, a number of power centers, and not even the strongest, maybe, during the Dark Ages, certainly not. But uh, around the time of the Age of Discoveries and the uh, Renaissance and the scientific revolution thereafter, the Europeans were, were far different in terms of politics and power than other civilizations. Uh- and that made the difference in terms of expanding and bringing to other worlds. Uh, and calling them discovery yeah. because they discovered them. They had a very uh, ethnocentric view of them. I mean, it's, it sounds like you're advocating might makes right, my friend. Not necessarily might makes right, no. That's an argument that uh, has come up again uh, in, in so many contexts because uh, that's the nature of civilization in many ways. In the early days, it spread itself through conquest. This is the... the I'm t- uh, and I was saying... The barbarians, they were conquered by whether they were the Sumerians or the Egyptians. or Wow, there's always a bigger fish is what you're saying. There's always yeah, a bigger and fish. that was the dyna- dynamic of the spread of civilization. Uh, we may say, oh, that's terrible, and it should have been a different way, but it wasn't. And that's history from the time they started writing it up until this century. And this century, we have different ideas. 
And uh, there's a lot of revision of history going on, and maybe even of the dynamics eventually. But So I wouldn't say that might makes right, but in the context of the progress of history, for a long time that was the case. Well, wait a minute, but you hinted at something else. You're saying in this last century, are we, are we starting to get it right? Are we fixing? It may be. Really? It may be. I mean, there are all sorts of alternative views of what happens and how people should treat one another. And, you know, you can bring civilization, perhaps, and, and not bring it at the point of a gun. Hmm. But then again, uh, you know, look at Iraq. We brought that, tried to bring democracy there at the point of a gun. Uh, otherwise, maybe it wouldn't have been accepted. You know, there, there are different ways to look at things. Oh. Well, uh, we, let's not talk about Iraq, because that's current history. It's going to fall upon the Silvio Lachetti's of the 23rd century to decide uh, on that, I think. Yeah. But maybe history is bending in the right direction. It, it sounds like you have an optimistic view of the world right now. Well, I don't, go that <laughs> far. I don't have too optimistic a view of this country, uh, and I am not a big fan of globalism, but I do believe that human sensitivities and concerns about people in general have improved. Uh, I hmm. hope there'll be no more massacres and holocausts and things of that sort that we can get beyond that but um, this is very very recent because even in the 1990s there were these minor genocides so yeah, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't see enough of a history of, of, a, of a bright new era coming. I gotta say and I was talking to Vince about this as well because people keep saying well Donald Trump is Hitler forget about oh. put that. put that aside for a second I don't think there could be an American Hitler in the sense of factories that kill human beings. Like, that cannot no. happen in our country, right? It's not part of what, what we stand for. But is there I any mean, scenario where that could happen in the United States? Can I think of one? Only if the situation became one of extreme scarcity, shortages, uh, collapse of government. Okay. Uh, so it wouldn't be government. It wouldn't. Grid. You know, if people were reduced right. yeah, from yeah. the people that we now know to the more animal type existence, yeah, I suppose it could happen, but not on, not even on that scale. So it wouldn't be government sanctioned. It would be no, sanctioned by no, the no, people. No. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, 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 that, so that's an important <laughs> distinction. Let me just contrast the uh, treatment of prisoners of war during World War Two, and uh, for, for our prisoners who were German or Japanese versus what they did to ours, mm -hmm. Americans and other prisoners. I mean, we've never done that, uh, and I hope we're not going to start doing these things. Well, so it's, it's an important distinction from a historian to know that if someone says Donald Trump is Hitler, we just have to pull back a little bit from the ledge on that. Yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I, I think that's an unfair characterization um, of the man and many of his policies as well. Well, we don't want to put you on the spot yeah. on that. That's current events, and I, I, yeah, Vince right. knows I ask the tough questions, but I, that's unfair. That's bird-dogging you. But I do want to get, just to, to, to close the circle on this Verrazano thing. Which we have to do. What do you think is going to happen? Is the MTA going to realize, hey, we replace signs, a couple of signs every year. Let's just, through attrition, let's fix this problem. Or are they going to dig their heels in and say, who cares about Giovanni Verrazano? Uh, hard to say, because... We don't know what result this petition will have. Mm. If it garners enough support, and this is Internet stuff now, so it's a new ball game, enough pressure can come to bear that there'd be no reason for them to dig in their heels. Why would they? It's not a life or death issue for them. As I say, I think most of it is due to uh, bureaucratic inertia. So if that can be moved by this fellow's petition, by editorials that I intend to write, and hopefully other people get involved, and 
programs like yours and a, uh, a coalescence of a large number of Italian-American people in the center of Italian-America in, in this country, I think it could be uh, it could be changed. So well, the movement the movement has started, and I got to credit Vince DiMessili of <laughs> of the Brooklyn paper. Uh, well, did you see what the mayor said about it, though? Oh, I didn't know the mayor spoke. Oh no, about the it. mayor spoke out, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to get a task force together right Wait, now." Wait, hold on, hold on, gonna, yeah, professor. He, he joked said. about no, it. Yeah, he joked. Oh, he joked. He oh, joked. So he's not even interested. He no, joked. He said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to set up a." a you know why that is, professor? Do you know what Mayor De Blasio's real name is? He's not. He's not Bill De Blasio. He's Warren Wilhelm. That's his birth name. Yeah, I saw that somewhere. So he's not Italian. So if maybe he, if he was really Italian, I don't know if he's not Italian. I think it's his mother's I don't last know name. What he is, but oh wait, no, it's a name like that. He probably wants to be. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> and so all the more reason why he should respect the name of. Uh, hey, do you know the history of spelling in uh, in a, like Italian names? His Italian name, or like like an Italian name, uh, De Blasio. He spells with a lowercase D E space Blasio. Is that? In, in 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 Italian history or in Italian grammar, or, would that be correct? D E space B. Lower yeah, lowercase D E. Lowercase B. Low, no, no. Let's take it back. Let's go back. Right. Lowercase D E. Duh. Uppercase Blasio. Okay, yeah. So well, a lowercase D E. That means of, like da Verrazzano means of Verrazzano, either the family or a place, mm -hmm. or D also D I means of. Right. So uh, that's how people were named in the earlier days. Yeah, like Mc, like McDonald or uh, Johnson, like that. It's like O'Connor. Yeah, O'Connor. There you go. Or even the um, the Icelandic Goodman's daughter. There you go. Well, that I don't know. Right. <laughs> I'm not making it up. So I don't I don't think he's in error there, but I don't know the origins of his name, and I don't know his, his true ethnic background. I've seen some of that. Uh, somewhere. In like I don't know. Growing up Italian, I've seen a lot of DEs and DIs, and they were always capitalized. But that's just really? me. Yeah. That's just, I mean, just think about it. I well, mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. They, they probably ought not to be in the purest sense of the, of the writing. So he's taking it all the, the way back. DI of. Mm -hmm. Although I guess Brian De Palma. Uh, yep, yep. Robert that De Niro. Per, De Niro. Professor, yeah, you don't realize... It's an Americanization. On the other hand, I don't know. Because yeah. if, it's, if it's not meant to mean of, then, you know, it could just as soon be spelled D-E-N-I-R-O without a break. There you go. With you know, even that, yeah. get these things. I think that's part of the machination of Italian-Americans trying to readjust their names and spellings. Again, we so just, that become, we uh, just say, ah, forget for it. Americans. You know, uh, Professor, you just so yeah. you know, because you don't know, Vince is trying to bait you because Vince constantly spells Mayor de Blasio's name, capital D-E, no space, Blasio, uh, which, you know, he wants you to so say. I'm not, he wants you I'm to not baiting anyone. This is That was a decision that was made a very long time ago on Brooklyn, well, uh, at the Brooklyn paper. Anyway, he, he's trying to get you to, to validate his, what I consider incorrect spelling. I would not name. speak to a professor of history about this. I would speak to a professor of linguistics. linguistics. Well, okay. Well, I, I'm just happy to have Professor Silvio Lachetti on the line. Now, remember, Professor, our phone lines are not open now because you're on it. But once we hang up with you, 718-260-4502, I invite all callers to tell us what you think about Giovanni Verrazzano and whether we should spell the bridge correctly. I think, you know, I think we should. Now we okay, I hope you'll get a bunch of callers to do it. I hope the young man is successful with his petition. That's Robert and Nash. I certainly will in my writings, which I'm in the middle of doing something right now, uh, support that idea. All right, I'm going to let you go, but first just give me your lead. What's your lead on that story? That's the first paragraph. Um, well, the 
name the same if it's misspelled. There you go. That works for that's me. That's a very good question. What's what's in <laughs> a name? Right, it gets right to the heart of the it, matter. That's a basically a, a transferal of some Shakespearean ideas, <laughs> and that's where I'm starting. There you go. Well, if, if you're, you're, okay. if you're starting with a bard, you guys. Professor, you have been a yeah, prince of a man. Call again, if you want, and uh, keep me posted on what happens. I certainly like to know. You, you got go. it. Well, Thank there he you. goes, everybody. Thank professor, you, professor Silvio Lachetti, a, a retired professor of history at Stevens Institute of Technology in Hoboken, wow. New Jersey. And you know what I always say? If it ain't broke, Hoboken. No, I really do. I always say that. Is that how you say yeah. it? Yeah. Anyway, we got to pay a couple of bills. Yeah, let's do that. Vince. Go. Go to atlasstake.com. Go to atlasstake.com. Do I'm, it. I'm on, the, I'm on the website right now. If you go to atlasstake.com, you are going to register... Thank you, Jimmy. You're going to register for a $500 gift card, and then you can explore. Here's how you'd spend it. Signature cocktails. Delicious appetizers. I had the crab cake. You got, uh, what's that, Moroccan rolls? Yeah. Moroccan rolls, nice. Anyway, and then you then you move on to a steak. And not only, oh, those are those little Moroccan uh, kind of rolled. Uh, They're like, a, like an egg roll, only, only Moroccan. Moroccan egg roll. And then you get one of those signature steaks. And I got to tell you, Vince and I went a couple of weeks ago, and it's thick, it's juicy, it's cooked to perfection. Mm -hmm. And then you could pair it with a vintage from their uh, vast wine cellar, um, a portion of which is actually on display in the dining room, which was created a nice ambiance. Anyway, Atlas Steak, 943 Coney Island Avenue, in Brooklyn, of course, 646-494-7227. And my favorite thing about Atlas Steakhouse, what's that, Vince? The crab cake. No, it's a Mediterranean steakhouse. Oh, that's it's not, right. not one of those German steakhouses. I'm looking at you, Peter Luger. Anyway, atlassteak.com. All right, why don't you do the other, uh, why don't you do the... Uh... So I went to Atlas Steak with Vince, and I had a little piece of steak caught in my teeth, because I got a gap in my teeth. Mm -hmm. And I actually didn't even want it cleaned out, because I love that steaky, beefy taste in my mouth. Yeah. But Vince was like, man, your breath is horrible. I'm like, I wonder what that is. I went mm. to Joseph Lichter who's a dentist at 1420 Avenue P. Now, Lichter's not like your Park Slope or your Brooklyn Heights dentist in, in one important way. He's less expensive. Yeah, it's 10, price, price. 10 to 50% off things like Invisalign. Gotta have that. That's Which is that braces thing. Your teeth. It's invisible. Whitening, cleaning, repairs, pain. So you go to josephlichterdds.com, or you visit him at 1420 Avenue P for periodontal, periodontal in Brooklyn, yep. or you call him at 718-339-7878. He will fix you right up, he'll clean you right up, or he'll brace you right up, and you won't pay a lot for that muffler, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Not going to pay a lot for that muffler. josephlichterdds.com in Brooklyn. All right, Vince, we've paid our bills for Thank the week. Thank you. Thank you. I, we got to wind this down because I'm having dinner tonight on the Upper West Side with my beloved girlfriend, whose name I cannot say because she's a professional lady. Oh, okay. But I love her, and I'm going to see her in a few minutes. So I want to just do one more segment. I want to get Max Yeager back in We're here. Bringing back in Yeager. to a three-timer today. Hey, y'all. Hey, Max Yeager. It's Gersh Kunstman of Brooklyn Paper Radio. Can you come back in? Sure can. I hope everything worked out with him bringing the kid Well, downstairs. that's what I was going to ask him. He says, you know, it's our Father's Day episode. Yeah. We got and I was about. just a bad father, like a work. bad father. Yes. Because I was on the radio and said, hey, Max, take my kid downstairs. All right, Max, come on in. I don't know if I trust him. So, Max Yeager, you're a young guy. How old are you? 28. So, Max, you have kids? No. Not that we know of. <laughs> anyway, Max, no, because you're always safe. But listen, Max, you took my kid down to the lobby to hook him up with his uh, sister and my ex-wife. How'd it go? It went great. Really? Yeah, we chatted in the in the uh, elevator about electric cars and in, in Brooklyn Day. 
And, uh, oh, he was in the electric car. Max was in an electric car the other true. day. true. Yeah, we're also working on electric car stories. Yeah, I think Gersh is going to beat you on that one. <laughs> but here's the thing, Max. I, I brought you in because it's our Father's Day episode of Brooklyn Paper Radio, and I felt like a really bad father in that moment. So question and answer time. Did I have to feel bad, or did you have it all under control? I had it under control. I felt a little bad. Do you think Ben felt a little bad? No. He started to tear up when he was leaving. It was a little weird. He looked sad about that. He did look a little sad. He had to go. That's what, So, Max, I brought you on because I wanted you to know you're 28. That is the feeling, that, that kind of feeling of, of letting a kid down that I have every minute of every day. Do you think you could live with that feeling? No, that sounds horrifying. Yeah, yeah, because I'm on the 10th floor right now, and I'm, <laughs> I'm looking out the window. No, it's really, it's a very difficult emotion. Now, you, 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 you met my son. You took him down in the, in the elevator. You love the kid. He's a good kid. No, but, but he's not yours. I love the kid. Okay. And that love, that powerful, I mean, Vince feels it for his son. I love that boy. And that, what that feeling does, I'm getting a little psychological here. Go. What, what it does happens, is it, it, it actually makes everything bad. Is there? Because you love the kid so much, you feel like I can never do enough for that kid. Is there some sort of chemical reaction you think that's going on, Gersh, that's making this happen inside you? Because otherwise you really don't care. Wait, what do you mean I don't care? I'm saying that mostly you worry about yourself and, you know, you don't worry about the kids. But now you're telling me that you love the kid and all of a sudden you're worried about everything. No, I don't know if it's about worry. Thanks, Vince. It's a very good question. Uh, no, you ask the tough questions. It's not about worry. It's just, and if you can hear the sound of my voice, call in. But I, it's not worry. It's, it's I, I feel like I'm not doing something for him and he is my child. Well, in this case, it's quite obvious you didn't walk him downstairs. Well, Max, I'll weigh in on this. It's, you're a young kid. It's existential dread. Okay, but wh- you're how concerned you're concerned about all the things you could be doing for him but can't, even though you're doing stuff for him. There's all there's there's all the limited possibilities of things you could do for this kid that you obviously can't because you're one man. All right, but it's the Father's Day issue. So so Max, tell me about your dad. Did he do a lot for you? Yeah, he did tons for me. Yeah, but you're not like one of those millennial retards who and uh, forgive the language. <laughs> you're not one of those millennials who can't accomplish anything on his own. I feel well, like if I... Because he forced me because he forced me to resod our front yard when I was 12. Okay, that doesn't sound like good parenting. I thought it was great parenting. I mean, I learned how to saw the yard. I got exercise. When you resod it, were you, were you seeding or were you actually laying down those... those squares. Like, the squares of grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12 years old. Yep. I mean, that's child Maybe labor. Maybe this is the problem you had. Did you ever resod the yard, Gersh? I never resodded the yard. What did your dad ask you to do? No, my dad asked me to go to the racetrack with him every Saturday... <laughs> Uh, because oh, that's man. how he relaxed after a hard days of work. He would take you to the racetrack. I mean, I did mow the lawn, but that that wasn't a, a you thing allowed, we did were you, together. Were you allowed to place the bets? <laughs> no, no. We, we, he he made very small bets. It wasn't a gambling thing. It was more of no, a. No, I'm not saying it was a gambling thing. I'm ju- I'm trying to get to the you know the issue here because maybe it's it maybe it goes back that far. Maybe it was the way that uh, you were raised by your father that has now led you to think that maybe you're making the same mistakes. I mean, that's armchair psychology. That's literally armchair psychology. Well, we're sitting, sitting here in armchairs. Armchair. No, okay. Hey, so he's basically saying, if the listeners didn't hear that, oh, you're concerned about what kind of parent you are, what kind of parent was your dad. And I'm not throwing my dad under the bus right now. He's a great dad, but not as attentive. I think you need to go home. <laughs> Cry it out. you got to hug it no, out. you got to see your dad, and you got to give him a hug and tell him you love him. No, and I love my dad. You tell him you love him, and you tell him that everything he did, you forgive. <laughs> I love my dad. It's not about that. But Max... Max, yeah. your father made you sod the lawn. I think well, that was his way of saying, hey, kid, you know, get off your ass. Perhaps, perhaps made is a little tough, but he, uh, he was like, 
he had me do stuff with him. He built an addition on our home with my mom, and like I helped him do that stuff too. He's a very hands-on kind of guy. He would call me out. He's working on the car. He'd say, "Hey, Max, come here. Let me show you this and that." So I think like his hands-on nature was very good. I just think you have skills now, that did, I don't give to my kids. Did your dad help you? Like when you when he was fixing the car, did he bring no. you over and show you? If if it couldn't be done with a butter knife, my father didn't do it. So everything. It's, you know, we, oh, you need to screw in this screw in this thing. A butter knife. You need to fix the car. Oh, I can't do that. I can see that. Gersh, Gersh, get me a butter knife. Yeah, that's basically it. Get me a butter knife. Not I the steak knife, you idiot. I gotta <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we got to get out. I got to put in this birdhouse. We got to get out. Max, I think you're going to be a great dad, but I caution you, it's not easy. And that's it. I'm out of here, folks. <laughs> that's it. The show's over. That's my advice. It's t- this is our Father's Day episode. Vince is a great dad, but it's tough, Vince. It's tough. Am I right? Uh, I, I have a great wife who's extremely helpful. All right. Let's put aside the partner and the spouse and all that because it didn't work out for me. But my point is, what about you? What about the psychology of you? As far as what? Like Being a dad. Care? You're you're dodging the question. You're I'm not dodging the question. I want to know what the question is. The question What's the psychology is, of me regarding what? I, I just merely asked you, is it tough? Do is, you it, f- is it tough to be a dad? Yeah. I think it's, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think it's that tough. I don't. I, I, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to your I kid. I don't think it's that hard. The, the kid was supposed to call. At uh, four fifteen, at five fifteen, and uh, I was supposed to get a, uh, an email to, well, saying if happening. he was available. He's not available. So but you know what? He's not available. What am I gonna do? All right. You Max. know, I'm like those Italians with the Verizon bridge. Like, so what? Hey, All right, Max. Cool. We gotta get out. We gotta get out. I wish Vince a happy Father's Day because I know how tough it is for him. Is Father's Day in like two weeks. It's in two weeks. But this okay. is our Father's Day episode because it was on my mind, Max. It was on my mind because I was watching my boy today because, as I said, it was Brooklyn Queens Day and kids were off from school. Yep. Anyway, we gotta get out. Uh, Jimmy, our producer. Give us that getting out music because I got to get out. I'm, as I'm going to the Upper West Side to have dinner with my beloved girlfriend He's who's excellent again. And, and talks to me a lot about this whole dad thing, which yep. is hard. Anyway, uh, listen, Max, we have to thank Silvio Lachetti for coming on. Of course. We got we to gotta thank Max Yeager for coming in and out. No, sure we got to thank Max Yeager for child care is and what we got to thank him for. <laughs> taking care well, of the boy. We happy take, Father's Day to both of you. Yeah, so and I got to say thank you to Vince DiMaselli for being the best damn father in America who, who leads me by example every day. I'm, I just try my best to make the world a better place. And of course, We'll see you next week. Well, I got to sign off. And of course, yeah. I'm Gersh Kutzman of the Daily News. Read me every day at nydailynews.com. All right. And I'm Vince DiMaselli. We'll see you next week on Brooklyn Paper Radio.